Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It was a big-time blowout Saturday in the Big 12 Conference this past weekend. We break it all down here in the Winner's Circle. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, here on the Big 12 Watch. This is on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at NWPod365. You guys can find my this week, oh and 6 Big 12 picks. We're still 34-25 and 25 overall on the season, but yikes, what a challenging week we had this week, so you all can find those at Josh Neighbors underscore. Also, you all can find this show wherever you get your podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those places. Obviously, here on YouTube as well, here on uh, Crystal Ball College Football. Like the video and subscribe to the channel, please. That's the best way to help this thing keep on growing. All right, so big takeaways from this Saturday. Uh, you know, when you look at the action, we had a, a three-point game between Texas and TCU, but that game, you know, heading into the fourth quarter really wasn't that close. Ends up being a bit closer. We had a 42-point win, a 39-point win, a 34-point win. Cincinnati kind of, uh, you know, kind of stretched out a little bit, and we also had a 32-point win in the Iowa State-BYU game. We had some significant blowouts. We had some uh, separation in the standings. We also had some more kind of confusion being caused in the standings right now. If you look at the way things have broken out, but still, what we have at this point now is a four-way, uh, a four-way tie still for second place in the Big 12 Conference. Now, if you talk about record head-to-head for those teams, Oklahoma State is uh, tied with Oklahoma, Iowa State, and K-State. So they own a two and one record against the teams that they are tied with. So they still you know, you're still going to need to see somebody ascend above Oklahoma State to get the job done, right? They're going to need that. Uh, Iowa State needs, obviously, a victory over Texas next week to muddle the waters even more and get themselves in the Big 12 championship game. That's one way to kind of uh, make this thing a a bit more confusing. That's what they have to do. K-State obviously needs to take care of business. Oklahoma needs to take care of their business as well. But still, Oklahoma State still in a pretty decent position for the most part, and Texas obviously at six and one controlling their own destiny the rest of the way here in the Big 12 Conference. So when I think about all of that and think about you know what we're moving in towards, uh, moving forward towards this weekend and this week and, and everything overall, uh, I, you know, I think the conversation, it goes like this. 
Texas is the best team in the league, and then it's matchup dependent the rest of the way, right? It really is going to be matchup dependent the rest of the way. And I think that's kind of where we start because the number one matchup that sticks out is Oklahoma State and Texas up top controlling their own destiny. And Oklahoma State goes to UCF, goes to Orlando, and in the driving rain gets absolutely pummeled by UCF. That This game was never close. It never looked like it was going to be close. I mean, Oklahoma State had some chances with some early drives to cash in, but turnovers did them in. And as soon as they did them in, um, it just, it looked like this game was over and they could not stop anybody in the passing game. I mean, you get a three touchdown passing performance from John Rice Plumley. You get a three rushing touchdown performance plus 200 yards from RJ Harvey. You get a three receiving touchdown performance from Kobe Hudson. And when we talk about uh, UCF and we talk about the playmakers and we talk about the fact that UCF does bring some things to the table that can cause teams problems. It's been those playmakers. It's been those guys that are the receivers that are the running backs. Uh, and sometimes a quarterback, you all know, I'm not, I'm not as big of a John Rice Plumley guy as some other folks are, but all of those together can combine to give teams problems. It gave uh, Oklahoma problems. Obviously, it gave Oklahoma State problems. And it gave, at times, West Virginia some problems. At times, it gave Kansas State some problems. The issue for UCF has been their defense, right? And in this game, their defense was as opportunistic as you would like, right? Uh, three interceptions for them on the day. Obviously, they're going to end up winning that turnover battle by a margin of 4-1. to one. And that obviously was, you know, part of the difference too. Alan Bowman coming off a great game for Oklahoma State has the three interceptions. And look, Oklahoma State's been playing good teams back to back to back, right? They played Kansas State. They played Kansas. They played West Virginia. They had Cincinnati in there and they played Oklahoma. They've played all of these teams back to back to back to back to back. And they've won all the games, right? They were due for a letdown. I don't know if any of us thought they'd be due for this big of a letdown. Vegas had this one. Vegas took our money on it. Uh, I thought Oklahoma State would have enough to maybe win narrowly or win closer-ish. Um, they got dog-walked. I mean, that's kind of one of those games where I'm wondering how much they, how well they can recover. They've got Houston on the road next week, and Houston needs to win this game to try and get to a bowl after what Cincinnati did to them today. Nice to see Cincinnati fighting and not quitting. But um, this kind of makes you, you know, rethink a bit about what, how you feel about Oklahoma State, right? This is not just some downhill machine anymore. This is something that they need to get corrected. Um, and you're wondering, like, did this just go off the rails or is this emblematic of something else, right? And I don't think they stopped fighting. Like, I, I never got that sense, but you could just tell things were not going their direction, right? Like, I and mean, balls are bouncing off receivers, hands off helmets, uh, you know, tip drill. And in the elements, in the elements, Central Florida caught Oklahoma State and not just caught them. I mean, they they, you know, they got they got them swept up in the tide. Right. And so for Oklahoma State, uh, for UCF, rather, and for Gus Malzahn, you know, for them to get to five and five and for them to score back to back now, Big 12 victories. This is really good for them now. 
Will they make a bowl game? They've got a pretty good shot because they've got Texas Tech and they've got Houston the rest of the way. But this shows, um, this game in particular, shows a new Big 12 program beginning to get their footing in the league. And I think that is something that we've noticed across the board, that it does not feel like these teams have had a lot of success in terms of getting their footing, getting themselves situated, and starting to operate at a high level in this league. Um, Back-to-back wins, that settles down the idea that maybe they're not settling in at all. It, It feels like there is a bit of a settling, although it does feel like this was just kind of a high moment. But great for Gus Malzahn and company because I know that five game winning streak all against remaining big 12 schools, excuse me, four of which will be in the league moving forward. Obviously that was stressing on the program that was stressing on the fan base. It was stressing on everybody involved, you know, so it's really good to see that uh, they were able to rip off, you know, back-to-back wins at this point in time. That's obviously a very encouraging feeling for the fan base and for that coaching staff. And look, they're going to recruit very well compared to the rest of the league just because of location. But this was a kind of victory that they needed just to kind of settle things down. Obviously a top 15 victory. Their first victory versus a remaining Big 12 team. All of those things, it feels significant to note. Next big result of the day, I would say, let's go to Iowa State. Iowa State gets to bowl eligibility a 45-13 to 13 win over uh, BYU on the road. This now sees Iowa State improve to six and four, five and two in the conference. And the the becoming bowl eligible part of this for Iowa State cannot be overstated. I mean, this is what good teams look like. Good teams look like this. They go on the road after a loss and they beat up somebody. They ran for 6.3 yards per carry. Uh, Abu Sama, the, the third, goes for eight carries, 110 yards and two touchdowns. Eli Sanders, 6.3 per carry. Cartavius Norton uh, was seven yards, eight tote. All three got touchdowns. Obviously, Sama, the third, gets two. Rocco Beck was efficient enough, 15 for 23, 203, two scores. And the big deal is they did not let, uh, you know, they really did not let BYU get going Uh, very much on offense and they got BYU off the field, right? One for 11 on third down for BYU eight for 14 on third down was Iowa state. That was the big difference. And then you go to turnovers three to nothing in favor of Iowa state. Now the big issue for BYU obviously is that Retzlaff was in for them. Jake Retzlaff was in for them at quarterback and things have not gone very well for him at quarterback. And actually they ran the ball somewhat okay today, five yards per rush. But the problem was the the stress was on them early. I mean, they were in a hole from the word go, and they were in a 10-point hole, you know, a 10-plus point hole pretty much immediately, right? I mean, this game at halftime was 31-7, to still a three-score game. And then, you know, plus eight in the fourth quarter, both or third quarter, rather, both teams go scoreless. I mean, this is, this is you know, obviously uh, Iowa State was able to put them in a hole and not let them back up. That's what good teams do. And so Matt Campbell needs to be celebrated this season. The fact that they've reached a bowl game, I have definitely got to give him consideration when I turn in my ballot for Big 12 Coach of the Year, right? I think there is no doubt about that. And they've got a couple games left. They've got Farmageddon and they've got K-State. Farmageddon, excuse me, and they've got Texas. 
if they're able to win one of those games, I am definitely going to consider giving him a vote. Steve Sarkeesian obviously deserves a lot of consideration. A team might end up being an 11 and one football team. And it's hard to deny a team at 11 and one. But when you talk about talent in consideration of what you have accomplished, there is no doubt in my mind that we should be talking about what Iowa State is doing. I don't know if anybody out there feels like this Iowa State roster is better than last year's Iowa State roster, but the results this season have been better than last season. And guys, it looks like they found a quarterback. Rocco Beck looks like their quarterback, and they've had a, a tough time running the football this season. They had a lot of success running the football in this game. And so I know they like J.J. Cole a lot, right? I know that they're, they're excited about him. But the thing is, Rocco Beck is the guy that was ready to go this year and took it over. And with the amount of success that they're having, you really can't deny that he should be the starting quarterback for Iowa State moving forward. Ability-wise, yeah, maybe he's not J.J. Cole. But in terms of what he is producing for them on offense, leading them. I mean, there is a belief there when you watch Iowa State that they've got the ability to compete week in and week out. And look, I know they came up short against Kansas. I know that happened. But to bounce back on the road, that is coaching and that is preparation, in my opinion. And so before we get to anything else, Iowa State should be lauded. And the good news about this game was somebody had to win. And with the win, somebody was going to go to a bowl game. Congratulations, Iowa State, on going bowling. Texas, 29, TCU, 26. So this was one of those games where, if you look at once again, like the, the yards, was it was a it was one-way traffic until that fourth quarter. TCU could not get uh, third downs. Then Texas wasn't very good either, but three for 11 on third down. They lost that turnover battle as well, too. Uh, the big key in this game was Texas getting off to a faster start, right? Texas was able to put TCU kind of not at arm's length all the way, but you get out later in the game, 19 to six. And obviously they're able to score uh, after an interception as well too. So we were 26 to six at the half and it felt like TCU could, you know, maybe be in this game a little bit, but just Josh Hoover is not Josh Hoover is not where he needs to be. Um, not where he needs to be. Josh Hoover is not good enough to kind of rally you against Texas. Now, he almost came all the way back, right? They had the six-play, 74-yard touchdown, cut it to two scores. Uh, you know, Then they had the 975 drive that cuts it to, once again, you know, 10-point game. And then they have the, uh, you know, they were able to, to go down the field very quickly and score, make a 29-26. And so that put Texas in a spot where, look, they had to, you know, get a first down to ice the game. But the big deal for them was that third and 12 because that third and 12 with 206 left to go, Quinn Ewers had to make a play. He makes a play. A.D. Mitchell, obviously, 35 yards and a first down. I mean, this thing could have gotten hairy for Texas in a hurry, but a great job from Texas to, to stem the tide. A nice job from TCU to rally. I will say this. Texas has looked vulnerable the last two weeks. The problem for them is it just seems like there are moments of the game where they begin to lack focus. If you look at them on this four-game winning streak since Bedlam, right? Bedlam, since uh, Red River, you get a seven-point win over Houston in a game you could have easily lost. That's where you lost Quinn Ewers, right? You hammered BYU, which was good. You had the win against K-State. That could have been a lot worse. I mean, it, you should have won by a lot more. That game should not have gone to overtime. 
you had this game this week that should have been a pretty easy victory. Um, or, you know, you could have cruised a little bit later in this game and you did not, and you were not able to. And so that to me is a bit concerning that you could not turn on the jets and leave them in the dust. And that is why you saw a situation where TCU did come back. So I like how lively um, everything was for TCU. That's good news, but still they're four and six. We'll get to them later on in, in, in loser's corner. We do that show, but Jonathan Brooks had a workmanlike game. Uh, they were not able to run the ball as effectively as they wanted to. Amani Bailey almost got to 100 yards in this game, but still, that Texas rushing defense is always the difference. And the thing is, this year is that it's going to take a great quarterbacking performance to beat Texas. We saw one uh, in the game that we saw uh, against Oklahoma, right? Dylan Gabriel was phenomenal. We saw that. We saw a nearly a, 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 you know unreal performance with Donovan Smith. Like he, he got red hot in the end of that game. It almost beats him. But they're going to need you know a really amazing performance, like wire to wire. It feels like from a quarterback. And uh, we have not seen that yet. And Josh Hoover was good. He was not great, right? He was not great, obviously. Um, and he was a lot better later on in the game when they needed him to be better later on in the game. And Texas lost a little bit of focus. But consistently running the football, I mean, the longest rush against Texas today was 17 yards. Now, here's the big issue for them. Pass plays of 25, 46, and 42 were hit against them, right? That is the big concern, is that explosive passing plays can be hit against them, and they will eventually take on quarterbacks who can hit those explosive passing plays. But for another day, for another week, Texas lives on. They are now 9-1. and one. The issue for them, though, is that they could be taking on a force that is coming on. And so let's get to now uh, Texas Tech 16, Kansas 13. Texas Tech hits a uh, field goal at the gun to win this game. This game was all about Texas Tech up front in the first half because uh, this was a pretty stat. I know, you know, more of the scoring was done in the final quarter, but uh, this first half from Texas Tech was the big difference. I believe it was 21 carries for Jonathan or for Taj Brooks rather in that first half that got them, you know, just moving the football as much as they wanted to. They're able to maintain possession. And then obviously a big moment in this game is when Jason Bean goes down and Cole Ballard has to come in. And I thought Cole Ballard acquitted themselves, uh, acquitted himself very well, but the offensive play calling for Kansas becomes a lot more limited when Cole Ballard is in the game. And Baron Morton gets the ball back late in the game and is able to drive them down the field and they score a touchdown. Uh, or get, get in field goal range, excuse me. But you think about like what what were the big moments in the game? Uh, obviously, a couple Kansas drives end on downs in the first half, particularly a um, a ninety three yard drive that ends on the Texas Tech one yard line. Not able to score there, and you go throughout the game too. You know, you look at the, these final drives like Kansas moved the ball, touchdown, four plays, seventy yards, eleven plays, seventy one yards, field goal. 14 plays, 77 yards, field goal. The problem was in the red zone, their red zone offense has not been good this year. And once again, when it's like body on body, not in space, Kansas is still losing some of those battles. That's to be expected, right? Personnel-wise, they're not able to. But man, I, I was I was impressed because Texas Tech had to stand up in this game 
and uh, and they did. And I thought Jalen Hutchings was a massive man. And I don't mean that like physically. I mean, obviously physically, yes, too. I thought he had a huge game. Uh, it always felt like 95 in white was breaking through, making plays. So on a day like this, I mean, he and Demerson, you know, Dadrian Taylor Demerson, it just seems to always make big plays whenever he needs to. And he was making big plays once again in this game. And uh, a good job. Credit Texas Tech, three sacks, six tackles for loss, five pass deflections. Their hands were in passing lanes. They did not make life easy on Cole Boward when he came in. So Texas Tech starting to play some better football right now. Are they good enough to beat Texas? I don't know. But, hey, they've got uh, UCF next week at home. That should be a compelling game. And they've got Texas on the road. So Joey McGuire. Started to turn things down a little bit, uh, turn things around a little bit. This is their second uh, two win, two game winning streak of the season. Uh, they beat TCU in Kansas, the first one. Saw them beat Houston at Baylor. Um, those were those were three score wins. These have been one score games and one score wins. And here's what I'll say: Baron Morton's still not all the way right. Made a terrible decision on a pick early in this game, but he's starting to get better. He's starting to improve. You can feel that when you are like you know he's starting to get better. Um, and you can feel that, uh, you know, it's starting to come on just a little bit. All right. Uh, and that last drive was fantastic from him it was really, really good stuff. All right. A couple blowouts. We'll get to pretty quickly here. Um, uh, Oklahoma just overwhelms West Virginia 59 to 20. Yeah. This was the game they needed on the ground, right? 5.3, a carry three touchdowns for Gabriel on the ground. The big day was Gavin Sawchuck, who was 22 for 135. Dylan Gabriel, a massive day passing. After that first touchdown from West Virginia, they just could not keep up. And this was the overwhelming Dylan Gabriel performance that we thought we would eventually see. And another big key to this game was West Virginia could not block Oklahoma. Oklahoma was living in West Virginia's backfield all day long. I was shocked. I was surprised that they played this well. And West Virginia able to run the ball somewhat well at certain points, but Donaldson 5.6 to carry, Jaheim White 4.3, Garrett Green 2.4, Justin Johnson 3 carries 4.3. I mean, there was not an efficient rushing performance in this game, and the turnovers also sealed the fate as well, uh, you know, for for uh, West Virginia. So this game was really never that close. Credit to Oklahoma for getting back on track. West Virginia, a good team, but still has difficulties at times punching above their weight class. And to me, that is totally acceptable. It's totally okay. I'm still okay with what Neil Brown is doing. 7-8 win season, I'm still fine. They're 4-3 in the Big 12. It's a lot better than we all thought. Kansas State, 59. Baylor, 25. This game was one-way traffic. Will Howard, once again, looked very good. 19 for 29, 235, three scores on the air. The ground attack was back nearly five yards a carry. Big day for DJ Giddens. Uh, and they spread the ball well, ball around well on offense. Uh, Avery Johnson not as involved anymore. And funny enough, it actually this was a day where Blake Shapen had four passing touchdowns, but um, I still felt like the better quarterback was on the other side of things. Uh, that Baylor defense is atrocious. And Kansas State hit him early. They hit him hard. This was This was off the races. Uh, K-State, a good chance to win nine, maybe 10 games this year. Obviously right there trying to get themselves into a Big 12 championship game. The one issue for them is 
Their losses in conference have come up against Oklahoma State and Texas. So tiebreakers, the two top teams go against them. They've got Kansas and Farmageddon left. And here's the thing, guys, a chance to get to nine and three, a chance still for them to have the same record that they had last season and go for a 10th win in a bowl game still on the table. Last thing we have to do is give some credit to the Cincinnati Bearcats who beat the Houston Cougars 24 to 14 on the road. The big day came from Corey Kiner, 23 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns, Emory Jones, 13 for 16, 131, and a score as well. And Donovan Smith had a very difficult time throwing it to his team. And that was kind of the big story in this game. And Cincinnati kind of used a paced performance, if you will, to get their first Big 12 win. Yay. Now everybody in the league has got a Big 12 victory. Now that the Bearcats have gotten the job done. And now every new Big 12 team, obviously, as well, too, has a victory. Nobody is going winless in this league this year. It's obviously good news. And for Houston, we'll get to them and uh, you know, their their bigger story can be later on. But Cincinnati, good to see they still have some fight. Good to see that Scott Satterfield still has these guys playing hard. I was impressed with the effort. And that breaks what had been a seven-game losing streak. So something to feel good about for Cincinnati coming out of this weekend. All right, that will do it for this wrap-up show, for this recap show. Uh, a whole lot to look forward to now because that second-place battle has become a whole lot more muddled. But a uh, big boat, a boat race Saturday in the Big 12 Conference. Give us your thoughts. Like the video. Subscribe to the channel as well. All right, folks, we'll talk to you.